The Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, awarded Australia's most trusted energy provider by CanStar three times. Maybe it's time you switch to Red. And for Prince Wine Store, Bank Street, South Melbourne and delivering Australia-wide, princewinestore.com.au. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkins. Everybody, welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger, episode 270 of our little podcast. And Caroline Wilson, my colleague, is not with me today. She is still having a wonderful family holiday in Europe. But Corey Perkin here, joined by our wonderful friend of the pod, Anna Barry. Anna from the Op Shop. Yay! Welcome back! Good morning, everyone. Oh, whoa, good to see you, Anna. Not travelling this year, this winter. No, passport in the safe and very happily at home. <laughs> I think it is. there is something lovely about being at home, although I am off on holiday soon, so I'm pretty excited about that. But well, let's talk about the pleasures of winter, um, Anna, a little further on in the program, because you and I are among a rare breed. We actually really love winter in Melbourne. Not a lot of us, I have to say, certainly by August. It's lost its... Um, mm, allure. <laughs> it's lost its allure. We are here, of course, as we are each week, Thanks to Red Energy, our show sponsor, Australia's award-winning and most trusted energy provider and Prince Wine Store. And later on in our program at the Cocktail Cabinet, we will have Miles Thompson with us. But first, a little bit of correspondence. This one comes from email, Anna, from Justine Gannon. And she says, Dear Caro, Corrie and Miss Jane, further to last week's discussion with Naked Ambition author Robert Gott about whether a politician has posed naked or not, it reminded me of a nude statue I saw in Wellington of what I thought was Labor leader Henry Hollands, <laughs> 1919 to 1933. He was the uh, apparently the Labor leader, uh, according to the plaque on the statue. I was dumbfounded but also impressed. On searching for an image of the statue to send to you, the explanation I found was that the statue was a tribute to Holland and is a nude male figure representing emancipated youth looking upwards to higher things. Beneath are two figures, one male, the other female, which symbolise primitive humanity struggling out of the primeval slime, close quote. It makes the statue even weirder, quite frankly. And she has sent, Justine has sent a photo of the... <laughs> the, the nude statue who she thought is a former later, Labor leader, Henry Hollands. I wonder what his family thought when they... It's a little bit out left of centre, isn't it? It's just... very... It would, just, it would just be like in the Ballarat Gardens, you know, where you have the Prime Minister's walk. Suddenly, just instead of having John Howard, you put... The statue of David, it's weird. Anyway, um, Justine says, keep up the great work. Love every second of the pod. Thank you, Justine. And on Instagram, NH469, hi, ladies, just thought I'd let you know I'm listening to you on a fast train from Puglia to Rome. Oh, that's so lovely. And I don't know whether you heard a few weeks ago, but Caro and I did a, a, a bit of a call out to potties where you are listening, right? chime in. You could have said, here I am at the op shop in Prague. <laughs> A long way away. How exciting to be on a train from Puglia to Rome. That lucky was, thing. Lucky thing and in summer clothing. And another one on Insta, uh, Outs One D The Frame. I think that's, I've said that correctly. And this person says, I have eaten an entire barbecue chicken on a bus, 24-hour bus trip in Brazil 30 years ago. Anna, did you hear the podcast last <laughs> week when... <laughs> No, but I saw something about it, and I, I, I'm, I agree. Eating in public, revolting. Well, Bob got told Henny and I he was grumpy, and he said <laughs> the thing that made him grumpy was jumping on a tram the other day, and the lady in front of him, opposite him, had a bag of chicken, takeaway barbecue chicken, <sighs> and apparently she ate the entire lot, almost the entire lot, with her hands no. on the tram. No. And imagine how greasy those fingers, where were they going afterwards? On the cloth seat. Yuck. Oh, we just Yuck. thought that was pretty terrible. So, Anna, winter warmers. This is uh, this is a winter warmer episode because now we are really in the middle of winter, heading toward the winter solstice. And I wondered, first of all, how your long weekend went. Wasn't it funny calling it the King's, King's birthday weekend? Especially as Charles has a November birthday. It's so weird, this but system. It actually, I saw on the news, it actually was the King's birthday weekend in London. 
As well? As well. But they, I think they had a beef eater falling over, read the heat. It was only about 26. Yeah, that's right. Let's face it. No, I had a great King's birthday weekend. We had the fire on, footy on, lots of tucker talk, lots of beach walks, and no, it was gorgeous. It was pretty terrific. I went to a trivia night at the local surf club. Uh, we... We came third. We think we were robbed somewhat. <laughs> it, po- it possibly didn't help with bonus points when I told the trivia master, Leon, that he was a bit grumpy and that he should be a bit nicer to everybody. I think you probably deducted points for that. <laughs> My team would <laughs> weren't very happy when I did that. But it was a couple of great games of footy. Hawks won, which was – thanks for your text on that. Hawks won. Tigers won. Very happy. And Mum and I rewatched the entire game from woe to go. Did you? On Sunday. Oh, yes. that would have been that um, was pleasurable. Fun. And Bombers-Carlton, what a terrific match that was. And then – well, I mean, we're, we're invested now with Bombers, yeah. so we were cheering. And but Melbourne yesterday. Collingwood. Oh, oh. Love the whole, I'm not normally here for the big freeze, but love the whole big freeze. Got home, was unpacking, cooking, and just got completely involved in it. And it was a fantastic match. It was a really, really good game, wasn't it? So it was uh, It was a, a bit of an action-packed weekend. Uh, cold weather, cold walks, as you say. Wet dogs, wet dog that refused to get dry. You know, it's a bit hard. You have to bring them in by the fire. <laughs> it, and then 10 minutes later, covered in sand, they seem to be on your bed. And they've got that horrible beachy smell, <laughs> that sort of sea urchin yuck. Right. But it really suddenly feels like winter. Like last week, I was texting Kara saying, oh, it's nice here. It's sunny. It's, you know... Not hot, but it's still sunny. Now it's just that horrible grey of winter that does make you a little bit down in the dumps. It does a bit. So, Anna, uh, you and I are fans of, um, and Carol is too, of course, of going on little regional getaways. It is a terrific way, if you can, have a weekend away. It's a terrific way to break up what can be a long winter. Last week, last year... Uh, messengers will remember that I spent two weeks babysitting in Ballarat. So that came with uh, with well, chores. but Oh, and but challenges also, weather-wise. I'm but, in the rat. It My also, God. It also came with lots of joys because a couple of times when the children were all in kindergarten and various care centres and things and um, I would just put Max in the back seat and we'd go for a long drive uh, to, to local gardens or somewhere. So I had a lovely uh, injection of that last winter, but... Last week I went to Kyneton. Love Kyneton. Love Kyneton. Good shopping, good eating, and not too far from town. Really wonderful place. We've talked about Kyneton before, but it's only just over an hour from Melbourne. Really easy drive. And once you're in Kyneton, it's it's a little bit of an epicentre, isn't it? Because you can go to take so many day trips, Dalesford and Trentham. And it's just in such a beautiful part. Victoria. I love it. Love it. We had a wonderful breakfast. Uh, we had dinner with friends the night before, but we had a wonderful breakfast at the Little Swallow Cafe. Uh, what a p- wonderful Piper Street place that is. And a little bit of shopping as well up and down Piper Street. Where would you suggest people go in winter if they're feeling like they need to get out of town? Well, I'm actually off to Mansfield in a couple of weeks for just a two-day sleepover. Terrific bookshop up there. Really looking forward to checking out the bookshop. I've heard it's fabulous. But I want to go to the Delatite Winery and just enjoy the whole Alpine situation with Mount Buller, Mount Sterling. I'm sure we'll be out in the garden because we're staying with friends with Wayne and Steve-O. So dying to see their garden and their vegetable garden. And I think that will be really fun. And the other spot I'd rather have got my eye on is Hobart. I know you have to get on a plane, but I love Hobart. I just think it's got so much to offer. Stay on the wharf, hire bikes, ride around. And there is the best Chinese restaurant, the Miwa, I've ever eaten in Hobart, believe it or not. Really good tip. Really fantastic restaurant. So, And will now, you go to Mona, the museum? I ha- look, I have been to Mona before. I'll probably go to Mona again. I mean, the best thing is going on the ferry. That is so much fun. I love Mona, but it's a bit like, to me, going to uh, Chad Rock, you know, you get there and after an hour you think, oh, I've got to get out. It's just a little bit, but that's just me. I love the building. I love the food, but I'm not absolutely smitten with the whole box and dice. But no, I think Hobart is fabulous and it's easy to get to. Easy to get to. Not very expensive to get to. Miss Jane, where would you be if if we could wave a wand and said you didn't <laughs> have to do any weekend work with footy? Where would you like to go? <laughs> I've just been loving 
exploring more around the goldfields and yeah, in my little part of Western Victoria because sometimes you don't actually go to places that are really close. Um, I went out to dinner, lovely, uh, dinner for two the other night to a little place called Mr Jones Thai in Ballarat. Been open for 10 years. I knew the chef back in the day doing local food stuff. He's a Michelin-starred chef who, you know, has worked all over the world. Incredible. Mm, he's, a fr- he's a friend of my niece, actually. Yeah. yeah they've and got a great setup there. Just a little, in, you know, a beautiful little heritage sort of street main road in, in Ballarat. And, like, it's it's 15 minutes from my house and yet it's taken me 10 minutes to go <laughs> to one of the best restaurants in Ballarat. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of staying local, if possible. Well, sort of local for... Anna and I, if we catch the ferry across from Sorrento Portsy, is uh, Queenscliff. So I was there last a couple of weeks ago for the Queenscliff Literary Festival. Just went over on the ferry for the day. Queenscliff is such mm. a charming place, isn't it? And it's got such a buzz about it. I mean, it's got that really lovely old seafaring feel that you don't get at Sorrento and Portsy. Yeah, it's, it's just, just the yeah, architecture. And it's sort of slightly stuck in time warp, which I love. I love it too. Love it's, the pubs. Yep. And we had we went to the, the town hall for the uh, Writers' Festival sessions. Then, of course, a visit to the bookshop. The Queenscliff Bookshop is a must. I'm going to the music festival in November and I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, good. There, so there are a few things for potties to think about. And then, of course, I started thinking about, well, what do we actually love about winter and our and Jane, what do we really love? Is there any? Is it? Is there indeed anything? And as we lit yet again last night, probably our tenth fire for the week. Exactly. I thought I do love the open fire. Lo- don't you? I love that you put the fire on and you think now I'm home. I'm not going out. You're under the rug. You're reading a book. The dog's sitting on but top of you. But you can't go out because the f- house would burn. Down. Yeah, exactly. The footy's on. You've got Wimbledon to look forward to. I mean, you're fairly sedentary in winter, but I don't mind that. I, I like the fact that you just go, beauty, no need to get out. You look out the window and you think, oh, it's pouring with rain. Thank God I'm not going out unless I, you're going to a movie. I do need to do another day trip over to the other side to Red Hill and Main Ridge because that's where all the great pine cones are. I've run out my supply. I know. There's a few places <laughs> Car- in town. Caro takes them all. She, she, tells, she either tells people on the podcast and they race down to pick them up from around the Botanic Gardens or down our way, she's mm. telling everybody her secret stash. Outside McRobb's is not a bad spot. The school? Yeah. Really? Just, just park there. They are show cones. In fact, Chris had a show cone in the fire the other day. I honestly risked third degree burns. Got it out. <laughs> How dare you? No, they're, re- they're, they're incredible. They're, but where do you park? Oh, you just illegally pull in. and I mean, it doesn't take long. You, you know, It's not that many. But if, if it's been windy or the cockies yes. have had a good go, definitely. Good tip. Good tip. And do you know where Caro's secret trees are around the Botanic Gardens? Shh, yes, I do. <laughs> Yes, no. I do. And they're actually, that's not bad either. Jane, do you go there as well? <laughs> no, but Cara will be mortified. No, I'm not telling oh, you I'm telling you what, well, the cat's away. <laughs> she won't be listening, trust me. Um, big so. shout out to Creswick as well, where I have been spending a lot of time lately. If you can't find mushrooms, pine mushrooms, just go for the pine cones. <laughs> yeah. I'll- yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, good pine cones there. Um, what else do we love about winter, ladies? I love the winter clobber. Don't you love that you just have your uniform, the boots, the velvet jacket, you know, just your cords. You know what you're wearing. It's just easy jumpers. I love that, that you're getting into even the ubiquitous puffer. You just get it out and you think, here we go. It's winter. You know, I swore for years I wouldn't buy a puffer. I know, but you have to have... When I had a shop in Hawkesburg, there were a lot of puffers that would come in and I thought if I see one more puffer, I will puff up. But But now I have one, I'm a complete convert. How did we survive without the puffer? Because it's not that heavy and yet you're warm as toast, whereas before we had the camel hair coat, the jacket, the scarf, and you were just weighed down. Totally. I can remember, and I don't know whether I've told this on the podcast before, but when when I first started at the age... And I was 17, so sort of 17, 18, 19, and I was on night shift. So I would they'd, they'd send you home in a taxi at 11 o'clock at night, but to get to work, it was a tram. So being a Bayside suburb girls, girl, I didn't even know how, to, how a tram worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that took a few months to work that out. I'll never forget Neil Mitchell, the, the, the then chief of staff, saying to me that I had to go out and do a picture story. I would meet the photographer there and I was to catch a tram to queue. 
And I looked at him and um, he said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know how to catch a tram and I don't know where Q is. No, I'm, <laughs> and I I'm... think he thought, who is this new cadet? It was part of the intake. Sent her back. <laughs> Fail. But I remember standing, I remember catching the tram to work and then I had to catch another tram that curled around Flinders Street up to Spencer Street. And I would stand on that tram stop outside um, St Paul's Cathedral Freezing. and I had no coat because I think we just thought, and probably because I was an inexperienced Melbourne person, I was only 17, you didn't need a coat. We never had we never had overcoats at school and I used to freeze, freeze. And the wind r- rustles in. Oh, no. Oh, it's the wind that gets you. I, I do feel Melbourne people in the last 20 or so years have adapted quite well. Now it's beanie, glove, glove. scarf. Whereas you only puffer. saw them at the footy, did yeah, you? Didn't exactly. You? I mean, a friend of mine said, I'm, I'm puffer free. And every time I see her, she's in what I think's a puffer. And she says, it's a quilted jacket, Anna. But I think she's really, you know, picking at straws there. It's a bloody puffer. But, oh, no, you've got to have them. I mean, couldn't, I mean, you can't dog walk if you don't have a puffer. Well, you definitely need a puffer in Ballarat. I love the soups, so I made my first soup a little bit late off the mark. I made my first soup on the weekend, cauliflower and broccoli, because they were going a bit old Yum. in the in the in the fridge. So and the casseroles, love that. The crumbles, and you're a great crumble maker. I must look, I'll give you one thing. <laughs> That's my mother would say. Thanks, Peg. <laughs> I tried to make a rhubarb one the other day. Apparently, it was fa- it was a Maggie beer. It just was gluggy on top, and I wasn't happy. Really? And, and you didn't put o- anything with it? It had oats with it. Oh, uh, no, I don't. I, I know. Don't, Karen said oat. put the oats in. I was, Trudy was completely can. horrified mm. that it wasn't just sugar, butter. Yes. Bit of cinnamon. No, I'm not. I'm not. And I've done all that rubbing in. Yeah. No, it was a bit chunky on top. I mean, we ate it. Trust me. But it was, <laughs> you know. But no, the rhubarb crumble divine. So, what do we not love about winter? I do not love. I do not love because I wear spectacles. I do not love putting my glasses on in the morning because they're freezing oh. <laughs> on your nose. No, it's the first sign of winter. It's pathetic, isn't it? But as soon as those spectacles, sometimes they're even fogged up. It's so cold. I don't like that when you open your eyes, it's just grey. Like you look out the window and it's just grey. I mean, that really, you know, fills me a bit with despair. It could also be a Melbourne summer too, that. No, it could. But, you know, there's just that winter grey. You think, I probably won't see the sun all day. And also, do you find through at this time of year, you do start to brace inadvertently? (laughs) As soon as you head toward a front door, you just go, <gasps> like, and you're ready for, oh, my God, it's freezing. <laughs> it's the first thing I always notice if you do happen to go to Europe at this time of year, you just stop bracing. Yeah. And also the tiles in the bathroom are not cold on your tootsies. I <laughs> know. Oh, no, I'm always, is the heating on? Are you sure it's on? It's not on, you know, high enough. Do you have domestics about heating? All the time. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a common thing I've heard. Oh. I mean, we, we go through it too, but know, you know, we argue the, about the heating all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And especially with the um, bills at the moment, of course you're arguing about it. They're bloody expensive. I've, if I hear one Lights more time, on. Pete, say, put on another jumper, I'll yeah. just scream. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what also is great in, in clothing-wise. Do you know that Uniglo heat tech? Stuff. Yes, I have them. That that it, it you think yuck no, but once you get into them, it is so liberating because then you've just got a skirt on or whatever, and you're the best. I know. And the long sleeve, the long sleeve top, top and the and which the, actually pulls you in. Oh, so I, know. I reckon you lose a couple of kilos when you put it on, put put them on, which is always a bonus. What were those old fashioned things our mothers used to wear? They were sort of cream, you know. Um, oh, Spencer. Spencer, sorry. Yeah. And they were scratchy. Yeah, and they were all a bit yucky and, you know, fake sort of um, lace. They're like at the modern day Spencer. I love them. Yeah, they're a bit softer. Softer, but absolutely. I'm with so- you. And the, and so I went in there the other day, Anna and Jane, and I bought two great colours, um, long, long black tops, uh, $19 each. And then the leggings, which were great, which I've put one of the family onto um, because um, Lib's having a baby. So I just said, put this on, like wear this. And then as you get bigger and fatter, you could just cut a little bit from the top just to release the the pressure, ele- the electricity, the electricity, <laughs> the the elastic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I think heat tech is just the best. Ruby's gone to Tasmania today for work and she is heat tech top to toe because she's out on boats and it'll be bloody freezing. Oh. Out on boats? Yeah, well, you know, with Tassel. Oh, of course. Of course she works for the salmon company. 
I forgot that. Yes. I was going to say, is she a Caribbean no. <laughs> Caribbean girl on a, on the back of a what ha- Hardly. No, head to toe, Uniqlo. That would tech. be a very cold day at work, I would Very think. cold day. Um, so what are your tips for keeping warm? Well, really, it, uh, when I was thought about that, I really just thought the puffer. I think that's what keeps me going. When you're outside and you're warm with the dogs, you're happy. Sock, you know, socks for me. And socks, socks in bed. Really? No, too hot. Well, Anita, Way too Anita, hot. My, my friend Anita put me onto that because uh, I didn't have an electric blanket. I, I actually got bought one last winter. Oh, I couldn't I hate stand electric it again. Blankets. I, I don't like them either, but it is nice to get into Re- a warmer bed. Remember but, when someone's caught? It was on the news. They woke up and there was a fire at their end of the, at the end of their bed. The electric blanket had caught on fire. I, I always turn it off, Anna, when I get into bed. But it was just one too many winters of of the hot water bottle, just See, I don't moving it do around, that. moving it around <laughs> the bed. And Anita said, just get into bed and put bed socks on until you get hot, and it completely warms you up. You don't feel the cold. It's such a great idea. See, I love bed getting socks. into a cold bed, and then you warm up. Oh, no, I have no problem there. But oh, so going to bed does it? So I, no. I tend to dread going to bed in winter. Really? Yeah. No, I don't do socks. No, for me, the puffer has changed, got me through winter because I mean, not that I'm wearing it inside, but and and scarves. I love scarves. Winter scarves, I and mean, they can so jazz up an outfit. They're absolutely right, and a beanie, of course. And um, but you can rock the beanie. I look slightly. Dysfunctional in the beanie, if that's the correct oh, do you word. Think? Yeah, no, Ruby's always going, Mum, IQ. No, no, negative. No, no seriously. No. I mean, look at all those people it. at the at the uh, at the MCG yesterday wearing beanies. Oh. There were people in all sorts of beanies. They all look great. I don't think you can have How a bad look. Incredible was that? How incredible. at the MCG? I had tears in the eyes. In fact, Jane and I were just talking about Beck on the. Um, she was on the radio this morning. Just incredible, incredible spokesperson for MND. For her family, for her father. That's Neil's daughter. Neil's yeah. daughter, yeah. yeah. Just amazing. It's it's interesting, isn't it, Anna, that you sometimes think, well, we're told, aren't we, out of tragedy, good things happen. And when you're in the middle of a tragedy, you can never imagine anything good ever happening again. But good things and good power does emerge. This extraordinary, this extraordinary movement that has occurred through this family's most shocking tragedy. And one tiny idea. I mean, they raised, she was saying on the radio this morning, 2.5 mil between Thursday and Monday, just from Victorians donating money. I mean, when you looked at the G and everyone, not in their club beanie, but just in the beanies, and mum wanted one. I can't find a one for love nor money. There's none at Coles. There's none at Bunnings. They're completely sold out. I think we jumped on, did we... We donated to buy one, I think. I don't know if that's going to arrive in the mail. I think that's what happened yesterday. There was a bit of phone action happening with donations. But, uh, yeah, it was um, it was just a mind-blowing day for Melbourne. Melbourne should feel very proud. And the Danaher family should feel so proud of what they've done. I know. It's remarkable. It's just remarkable. That Beck Danaher, she was just, I mean, really amazing. I, mean, I was feeling really teary just driving in this morning, listening to her, I thought, it's your father. You're about to have a baby. I mean, as if you're not emotional enough. And here you are, voice, per, you know, speaking, mm. spokesperson for the um, the cause. No, yeah. it was incredible. It, that was a highlight of the King's birthday weekend. But getting back to beanies. No, people were rocking beanies at the G, but you can rock a beanie. Not so much for me. But I think I'm obviously overheated because I, even with a beanie, I'm boiling in about two seconds. And were you like this before menopause? Yes, I've always been hot, but I probably because I'm overweight, so I feel you know you're just carrying that little bit more weight and keeping you warm. Well, it's it's amazing the number of women friends you and I have who used to feel the cold and since menopause just they don't. just don't anymore. It's yeah. yet another thing that yeah. women have to <laughs> cope with and adjust to. Um, we're going to have Miles Thompson in with us in a minute, Anna, for the cocktail cabinet. Lovely, and we're going to talk about Heathcote wines. Uh, and um, the, but before we move on to that, uh, I just wanted to also say that um, that if people would like to contact us for our Dear Caro and Corey segment, we would love to hear from you. So we've resurrected this incredibly popular segment, Anna, from last year, where people is this your aunt? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. People misguidedly thought like that... Like from the Ka- Truth newspaper. <laughs> People thinking Carol and I could actually solve problems. But we've had <laughs> we've, we've resurrected it and we've had some rippers over the last couple of weeks. And so if you would like to anonymously or put your name on it with any sort of dilemma, whether it's a social dilemma or a relationship dilemma or just even what you should feed uh, a table full of vegans if it's a Saturday night dinner party and they tell you at 7pm they don't eat meat and you've got the lamb in the oven, just let Caro and I know and we will help you out at feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Here comes Miles on top of the cocktail cabinet. Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store. G'day, Miles. Hello. How did the house move go? Very good. It's actually all pretty much set up, like 90% set up. Oh, that's good. My wife and I, what a team. I did a <laughs> it, fair bit of hauling and she did a lot of setting up. Well, she did a lot of hauling too. It can it can put stresses on relationships. Oh, we definitely. We were just talking about <laughs> heating. Anna and I were just talking about heating and heating bills and turning oh, heating on crazy. and off and various forms of heating. I'm not allowed also, to have heating. It can also stress <laughs> relationships. I'm not allowed to have heating. Well, your wife she, My wife's you. a, go put on some more clothes. Oh, oh we were just talking about I know, that. and it infuriates me. <laughs> I can put on a few layers to a degree that I'm like, I'm an adult, I don't have to sit here <laughs> in freezing cold. If I want to pay for heat, I'll pay for heat. <laughs> My sentiments oh, well. exactly, exactly. Yeah. To a degree, I don't mind, but then at some point, I'm like, well, well, even if it just takes like, even if it's just the heater on for like half an hour to take the edge off in the morning. And did you I'm unpack your that. wine cellar? No, it's not completely unpacked. I where, got, where I do you keep? Much. Where do you keep? Where's well, your I, new I store it very poorly. I'm a very poor example of how to store your wines. <laughs> Well, now we've got a downstairs, so now we can I can put it in a room downstairs because I think the temperature's more. So if you're storing wine, it's it's you can have you know they say cool, but it's really more about stable temperatures. That's really what you want, and vibrations the other one, and light. So if you can sort of keep it out of out of the light, and if you can keep it in a in an area where it's stable as far as the temperature, vibration. so it doesn't go up and down, and then vibration can be a problem too. Yeah, too many dance parties. Bad Gotta be for your careful. Wine collection. Don't put them under the dance Anna, floor. Anna, take note. You and those <laughs> those doof doof nights you yeah, and Chris have yeah. solo. Anna, where do you keep your wine? We keep our wine under the stairs. Um, That's all, often not a bad spot. Yes, and it is dark, but it is chaotic. Yeah. And there's a, an awful lot of where the hell's that bottle? And we don't have actually that much wine yeah. stored, to be honest. We're we're more a buy it, drink it. Yeah, sort of oh, that's fan. what most. I think the statistic on on. Buying wine is something like 90, I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong. Someone will look it up. But it's something like 98% of people buy wine and drink it in the first two hours. But that's how most. <laughs> no, I'm not that Well, that's how, but that's, how, yeah, that's how most exactly. people buy wine. You know, they'll go to a tasting or they'll go to a shop and they'll buy it and they'll go home and they'll drink it. And the, There's, storing wine's a bit of a, I don't want to say elitist, but, you know. Well, well as we It's a small percentage before, of people yeah. who do it. There's not a, a lot of people who do it. You need a big enough house, don't yeah. you? You need a place to do yeah. it, that's for sure. We for do sure. have a lot of knock, knock, knocking on the door and, you know, Mr. Postman or whatever delivering boxes of wine and then they're just stacked up in the hallway yeah. really annoying and then the dog chews the corner of the box. So <laughs> it's they're just there. It's like a bit of a pop art situation oh. and we just drink from the box. So yeah. we don't we never do storage to be honest. Look, I mean I mean if you're just gonna kind of drink your wine, I don't think it's a really big deal. But under the stairs is good. If you can yeah. put some foam insulation it's always good. Okay. Um that helps. Ours are ours are in the, we have a little garage or a workshop underneath the house it is stable and it is dark and it's cold, probably a bit oh, too cold. Good. But I I live in fear that there's a brown snake in there. Yeah, fair enough. Because it is a Pete always leaves the door open. And there are a lot of brown snakes in our area. In fact, not long ago, one one went into someone's kitchen and they came Yikes. home from walking the dog. They'd left the door open and there was the brown snake in the kitchen. Wow. So there are lots of stories like that down our way and I'm sure in country Victoria as well. But uh, I think it's probably a pretty good... We don't have a big wine collection by any means. Um, although if I, if I ordered a box of the mixed dozen, you're saying that I'll drink that in two hours, are you? No. <laughs> As you're dancing Half around the house. <laughs> maybe I've done... Maybe I've come close yeah. to that. So, I mean, you know, if you're not going to store your wine for, I think, more than a year, then, you know, I don't think it's really a big deal where it sits, to be honest. If you can keep it out of the sun and... Somewhere a bit yeah. cool, great, but you know. But you don't, do you traditionally store white wine? No. Yeah, absolutely. You do. Oh, see, I think we just drink coiffures. 
straight away. There's some red under the stairs, but I think the white ones just, you know. The reds will generally go longer for, you know, they have tannin and things in them that give them the sort of longevity, the preservative, you know, tannins are preservatives, so they'll tend to last longer. So acid, sugar, tannin are the sort of main preservatives in wine. That's what sort of keeps them going. So that's why red tends to last longer. But certainly, you know, sweet wines of Germany and other regions that do sweet white wines, I mean, they can, you know, really sweet wines can last for, you know, 80, 90, 100 years, 120, stalled correctly. The really sort of sweet German stuff and Austrian and things that are like Bortritis affected, you know, things like that, that are super, super sweet because it's a preservative as well, right? You just get nervous, don't you, if if, if you see a bottle of white wine Mm. and it's there, you realise it's been there for five years or (laughs) ten years in your garage and you think... It's probably off now. Totally. I, never know. I never know. Yeah. So I've got to try it. I, and, I, and I've probably said it on the show before, but I always err on the side of I'd rather drink my wine younger, have all that lovely fruit going on, than, than too old. I'd rather, I'd rather have opened a bottle too young and still enjoyed it than something that I've like, oh, I've got to keep it, I've got to keep it, and then opened it and like, oh, it's over the hill, bugger. And what about you know what I mean? It, What's the point? Like, yeah. No, I agree. And when, when you do it with champagne and you think, yay, big event, and you open it up and you think, Oh my God! There's not even a pop. Yeah, there's not even a bubble. Oh, it's a big sign, isn't it? Oh, t- which, which is what'll happen. Like you know, champagne eventually will lose its bubble. If it'll still, it can still be really interesting and really great to drink, but it will eventually not lose its bubble. Though. So potties. Well, the, no, the that's not why you drink champagne. No, <laughs> the moral of the story here is drink, drink your bottle in two hours. So this responsibly, week, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, and this week we are talking about Heathcote wines, and the reason we're talking about Heathcote wines is that Prince Wine Store in South Melbourne, here in Melbourne has a regular masterclass series which uh, offers uh, um, wine lovers and also novices too, I would imagine, Miles, a really interesting opportunity to try wines from different regions or different winemakers and have a bit of instruction about what we're drinking. So you have one coming up uh, in June. I can't remember the date. Later in June, Heathcote Wine. So tell us about Oh, is it this weekend? Okay, so tell us all about it. Yeah, so we, we sort of, a couple of years ago, we started what we call the the regional tasting series. And we just sort of, we, we've sort of been doing it on the Saturday tasting, but we sort of pick pick a spot. Just Victoria? or uh, No, the- anywhere, anywhere. It's certainly been a lot of Victoria, but um, yeah, it's been really good. And, and it's nice to sort of really sort of hone in on a, on a particular area. And there's lots of great wines. And obviously Heathcote, for Victorians in particular, pretty well known. And it's a very, you know, it's a super, you know, it's not far from, you know, it's not far from Melbourne, which is always amazing. Like, we're so lucky here in Melbourne for that sort of stuff. Is it a big cellar door community in Heathcote? Yeah, look, I mean, Australia just has a great cellar door community in general, so that's always fantastic. But, yeah, I, I haven't been out there in a long time, but an hour and a half sort of, you know, sort of north of, of, of Melbourne. Um, and it has what's what sort of makes it a bit different. It has these very rich red Cambrian soils, which they call greenstone there. And it holds a lot of uh, water in the in the soil, so you don't need to irrigate much, or if at all. And a lot of winemakers don't like to irrigate, so you get these very sort of concentrated small berries, which have lots of concentrated juice in it. That's sort of the, the general sort of gist. And so you tend to find the wines out in Heathcote have this lovely sort of richness and concentration to them, which is great. Obviously, Shiraz and Cabernet are the sort of the big ones there. Um, but, you know, these days, Grenache is starting to become a bit of a thing there as we're sort of warming up a little bit. And sort of the alt varietal scene, so particularly Italian varietals, um, Sangiovese, uh, Nebbiolo, things like that, are starting to become quite big there. And then Chalmers is out there and they have, you know, everything. They have Vermentino, Pecorino, uh, Nera Diavola, Aglianico, all the sort of sort of great classic Italian varietals, which Chalmers are very famous for. They sort of brought them into the country and have cultivated them. So you've mentioned Chalmers. Mm. What, what are so, who are some other um, winemakers, or well, I should say wineries, that we, yeah. would, we would know, we would be familiar so with? So Heathcote Estate's going to come along. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Foster from Cerami, which is a fantastic little small producer. Um, Paul Osaka Wines is coming. Ren Estate. So he's a, a used to import, Port- well, still import Portuguese wine, but he's got a sort of newish estate, bought some established vineyards, and they're looking really, really good. We've dealt with him for many, many years. Um, who else have I got out there? Um, yeah, Chalmers, Place of Changing Winds as well, um, and that is um, uh, a gentleman who owns a wine distribution company. He's got some really great wines on a property out there as well. 
And I think we're going to get Greenstone in as well. So oh, great. They've been around for a long time as well. So, so if you could estate in Greenstone are probably the big guns out and there. So and what, so if we're shopping with you this week and we mm. want to buy some Heathcote, what, what are you offering potties? Uh, so, yeah, if you do your M-E-S-S um, code, you get 10% off. And then this tasting as well will be all be 15% off. So um, it'll go up onto the website. So if you go to the the uh, the offers page when you go to the website, um, end of the week, I've got to get back and get to it and put it together. But end of the week, you'll have a full offer on all the wines on Saturday. So oh, fantastic. If, you, if you can't get along, you can just buy off that offer as well. So. And do you do you do this masterclass series online? Can you do that as well? Uh, no, because it's just, it's just more like a normal tasting. So you just come along. We have the, you know a couple of winemakers and distributors there and you just basically rock up and uh, jump on in and try some wines, have a chat to the people. There's another fun thing to do on a winter weekend. There's so many fun things to do around South Melbourne on a winter weekend, but that's certainly one of them. Hit the markets, come to the wine tasting. What time's your wine tasting? Go to Hector's, get a sandwich. (laughs) What time's your wine tasting? So 12 till 2. Okay. And then most Saturdays, but the regional tasting we probably do once every... I don't know, six weeks, two months, something like that. So, And where else might we be going with this series? I don't know, actually. We did Gippsland last, and that was super, super popular. I haven't done Mornington in a while. Well, everybody, if, if you are passing 177 Bank Street, South Melbourne, this coming Saturday, so as we, will, we record, that would be Saturday the, 9th, uh, Saturday the 17th sorry, of June between 12 and 2 p.m., Miles and the gang will be there pouring some wines from the Heathcote region and uh, 15% off the tasting offers if you rock up or, in fact, if you jump online, yeah, princewines.com.au after Saturday. Absolutely. And, um, and if there's anything else that takes your fancy, shop on up. And when you get to the checkout point, M-E-S-S is the code and you and you receive the 10% off. Miles, that sounds great. Thank you very Should much. And I hope you have a good day on Saturday. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And now we have BSF brought to us by Red Energy. And we're going to start with a book, Anna, best winter book recommendation. So what are you recommending to potties? Look, I've got two and um, they're just going to be very brief recommendations. The first one, and I don't know if you've read it, The Bookbinder of Jericho by Pip Williams. Have you read it? No, but she wrote the very famous... um, Dictionary of Lost Lost Words. Words. And I'm so silly that when I I saw Jericho in the title, I thought it was Palestine, not a lovely little neighbourhood in Oxford. So it took me a while to get on the program, but it is a companion read to the fabulous Dictionary of Lost Words, which I absolutely loved. And this is another historical fiction novel, and it's a story of a young British woman called Peggy who gets a chance to pursue knowledge and love when World War I upends her life. So it's a really interesting period in history. So it looks at women's role in industry during the war and the women's right to vote, which they still hadn't had the vote, even though we had at that time. And it also looks at Belgian refugees, which were sent to England. So really fascinating topics. And all of that is set against the backdrop, the domestic backdrop of Peggy and her twin sister, Maud, who has development issues. And they live on a canal boat and work in the um, binary of Oxford University Press in the town of Jericho. So it's really fantastic. I'd really recommend and great travel read if anyone's travelling because you can pick it up, put it down. Well, the Dictionary of Lost Words came out at the very start of the 2020, the first pan- oh, the pandemic, the first lockdown. And the uh, publishers were beside themselves because they had this de- debut author, debutante author, debut novel and no publicity tour. No bookshop signings, no visiting. And they were beside themselves. How was the word going to spread? And was and it just word of mouth? It was complete word of mouth, yeah. Anna. And and to the publisher's credit, they hit social media. So there was a lot of action on social media. But we started at the bookshop because we were doing the click and collect, if you remember, and packing up books via phone. The, the phone calls just started. And people saying, could I have this book, that book? And... And the Dictionary of Lost Words. And, you know, it won the best book of the year at the end of the year. The pub, the, 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 um, 
the People's Choice Award, which was fantastic. No, I loved it. And I think she's she really writes authentic characters. And that's sort of what gets you in. You really, you care about them. And even all the subsidiary characters, you know, there's a nurse that goes to war in the bookbinder of Jericho and you have all her reports coming in about what's happening in France. And and she also uses a lot of historical figures. So she's got all the, the women in the whole voting um progressive movement and the women's movement. So it's sort of based in history. It, it's no, Sounds great. And what's, really what's, your other, what's your other book? Now, my second one, which I didn't love as much, but it, it's definitely worth a read, is called The Anniversary by Stephanie Bishop. And it's about an aspiring young novelist who's just starting to get newfound success. She goes on a cruise with her older filmmaker husband, and this isn't a spoiler alert because you know this happens. They're celebrating a wedding anniversary and trying to get some oomph back in the marriage. Anyway, he falls from the cruise ship during a thunderstorm and dies. So you know that's happening. That's not... That happens. But it's the sort of... It's a simmering sort of page-turner about a writer on the rise and the unresolved death of the husband and what it takes for her to keep going. That's good. And is she... Are there suspicions about her? Is it a bit of a yes, thriller? I don't want to t- say okay. too much, but it is a bit of a thriller, a bit of a page-turner. It, I thought it could have done with a slight edit, but it, it was really good and it kept me going. And another good book if you're travelling. Great. Well, my tip uh, for everybody who wants a good, and I would say sort of easy read, this is a mm-hmm. modern read, though. I don't think my mother would have enjoyed this book <laughs> because a lot of it is about the Twitter sphere, social media and bullying on social media, but it's called Yellowface. And Anna, it is just the most amazing book. It's by a Rebecca Kwan, uh, an American writer, and it's a thriller set in the world of publishing, and it tells the story of two young female writers, one whose star is completely on the ascent. She's had a couple of books. She's been, I think, nominated, long-listed for the Booker Prize. She was absolutely the star is rising. Her friend is, uh, whose name is um, June, but she renames herself uh, Juno, or Juniper, sorry. Um, she June, June is uh, a little plainer in her talents, shall we say, doesn't quite achieve the same success, has one novel that very quickly goes to the dump bin and is feeling very low about herself. And whenever she's with Athena, um, who is her friend, who's a, who's a Chinese-American, Athena is so glamorous, wonderful, and is courted by the publishing world because she's such a young success. Something happens to Athena and she dies and Juniper, who just happens to have Athena's latest mm. um, pages of her work in progress in her handbag at the time <laughs> that that uh, Athena dies, decides to pass it off as her own work. It's an it's a kind of a worn idea, not unusual in a literary thriller, but it is very interesting because she is questioned not so much in her public engagements about the authenticity of this book, but she's questioned and highlighted and almost cancelled on social media. So the reason I say somebody who might be my mother's age or who's not in the in the kind of the social media space, you would probably find this a little dull. Bit challenging, yeah. And a lot that you probably wouldn't understand. Mm. But certainly for people of our daughter's age and for me, you know, I'm kind of interested in how authors sell their work so much and how Instagram, for example, has become such an important sales tool. I found this pretty riveting. It sounds good. And why is it called Yellow Face? Yellow Face, as I understand With a yellow it, cover and... Yellow Face, as I understand, is when somebody is trying... It's an expression that's used when somebody is trying to pass themselves off or pass their work off as Asian, and actually they are not. Oh. So it's... it's um, now, I don't know whether this term is made up, by Rebecca F. Kwan. I'm sure somebody will um, let me know whether it is or is not. But gee, it's a it's a really good read and um, a good one for planes, trains and automobiles, I think, if, especially <laughs> if you're heading to Hobart or if you're heading um, in the car to Clinton or something like that. Uh, so let's do the same thing with screen. Do you have a screen recommendation? I have three very quick screens. My first one is the big screen and it's the British feel-good comedy Bank of Dave. Has anyone seen it? No. It's really, it was on at the Como. It's really fabulous. It was part of the British Film Festival. And it's a mostly true, in inverted commas, story of a self-made Lancashire millionaire who wants to set up a small community bank to help the people in his town. 
And to achieve this goal, he's got to take on British uh, and uh, Britain's antiquated banking laws, Q London bankers. It's got a stellar cast. Rory Kinnear, who I absolutely love. Uh, Joel Fry, the comedian, who's really good. And Hugh Bonneville as one of the nasty bankers. Um, with a star turned by an 80s supergroup. Um, it's fabulous. It's really fun. Mary, Chris and I all talked along. This bit of karaoke. It's good. Sounds great. It's really good. It's a fab film. And What's it called again? It's called Bank of Dave. Right. Okay. And his name, obviously, Dave. And my second screen is Funny Woman on Foxtel, which is a six-part Brit comedy drama series written by British author Nick Hornby. And he also wrote the book of the same name in 2014. Don't know if you'd read it, but no. I've read it, so I was really keen to see this. The Funny Woman is played brilliantly by Gemma Arterton, that great British actress, and her name is Barbara Parker. She's formerly Miss Blackpool, and she's trying to establish herself in the male-dominated London comedy scene of the swinging 60s. So there's tributes to Pete and Dad, Joe Orton, Julie Christie, Michael Caine, it's dramatic. It's got a ripper soundtrack, and she's funny. Oh, that sounds it's really great. good. Six part on Foxtel. Six part Foxtel. Chris funny absolutely woman. loved it. And you know, it's the real highs and lows. It's funny, but it's also really dramatic. And my last one, very quickly, is on SBS on demand, and it's called Pandora. Ah, and this just um, this just came out. It, it's been on yeah. telly. It's yeah. just yeah. fantastic. So it's a gripping Belgium. I've seen this. Drama the for this featuring a. Um, beautiful, with lovely long grey hair, menopausal criminal prosecutor, and it's filmed in the heart of Brussels. And it's part intriguing family drama, part criminal procedural drama, and part political drama. It's just one with a lot, and I cannot wait for series two. Really Sounds good. great. That is definitely and on makes my you list. want to go to Brussels. Absolutely beautiful. My suggestion would be, and I didn't catch this on ABC first time around, Total Control. I never no. watched one episode and now I'm hooked. So I've it first premiered on the ABC in 2019 and then a second series uh, went to air a couple of years ago and they're just working on the third series now. Deborah Mailman and Rachel Griffiths. Rachel Griffiths plays Rachel Anderson, the Prime Minister of Australia. Deborah Mailman is a coalition senator for Queensland who's just been brought into the team uh, to, to kind of plug a hole and... They're hoping, of course, we'll vote with the Prime Minister. Um, you can imagine that perhaps Deborah Mailman might be a feisty character and perhaps she doesn't. A really good performance by Harry Richardson, who, do you remember, uh, Paul Duck, do you remember uh, Drake, Drake Khan, the beautiful-looking Drake Khan, the brother of... Not, not Esmeralda, the wife of Poldark. Did you watch Poldark? I, I was obsessed with Poldark, but really I can't get past Poldark. You can't remember, you can't remember Drake? Oh. I don't remember Drake. I just remember um, it's not Henry Warlogan. Yeah. <laughs> Warlegan. Warlegan. Yes. yes. Well, anyway, it's a really good series, Total Control. As I said, All I'm right. very I'm very late to the party on that one, but uh, I highly recommend that too. Now, best winter recipe, Anna. I have got, once again, two, but really quickly, my first one, and this is dead easy. It is brilliant. It is Nigella's Chicken in a Pot with Lemon and Orzo. Completely self-explanatory. It's divine, dead easy, as I said, and incorporates one of my favourite winter vegetable leeks. I love a leek. It is so yummy. The recipe will be in the show notes. It's already become a family favourite in our house, and I just served it with the warm breadstick and salad, divine. And even better the next day, I had it for lunch two days later, divine. And my second one is Ottlingy's winter slaw. And I know you did a slaw with fennel last week, but this, I still had to go with it. It's recommended by a great friend of mine who's a great cook and a podcast listener, Anna Rothy. She's also my dog walking park friend. Anyway, this dish would cheer up any midwinter table just with the colours of the coleslaw. And it's so you've got the colourful cabbages and it's got the most beautiful dressing. Sounds weird, but go with it. Lemongrass, maple syrup, and sesame oil. Wow. Really yum. And it also features the chili macadamia nuts, which I did on the podcast last time. But you can do them or not, but it's really divine. Well, we were we were lamenting the or maybe we were poking fun more likely at the coleslaws our mothers made in the 70s oh, and covered in mayonnaise. Revolting claggy mayo. And I know that fennel was the um, 
the secret ingredient of Hanny's, wasn't it? It was indeed. But so this is just that sounds great. You could, but you could even serve it up with like a casserole, whatever. It's really, really yummy. As we said last week, in winter you don't always want to have your cooked vegetables. It's no. nice to have a salad option. Yeah, I have a recipe, but I'm going to save that for a couple of weeks oh. because I actually want to cook it. it. My friend Adrian cooked it for our Clinton dinner the other night. It's a it's a beautiful orange cake. It's a bit like a Claudie Rodin, but I want to cook it before. Uh, not that it I. It was stunning. It was amazing. But I'll save it for next time. Is it the one with the whole oranges? There is a bit of whole orange action happening. Um, It's a really good recipe. Uh, And our favourite word, Anna, moist. (laughs) (laughs) That was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro. And just uh, to, to remind you, a dictionary of lost words, author Pip Williams with her new one, The Bookbinder of Jericho. Uh, Stephanie Bishop's The Anniversary is Anna's tip. Mine is Yellowface by Rebecca F. Kwan. And, of course, Bank of Dave and Funny Woman are Anna's tips for the little and the big screen. Now, on to Grumpy, and you are grumpy. I've got a very succinct grumpy today, and I'm grumpy about pushback in all its forms on The Voice because I just think it will lose momentum and it's just so important. That's all I want to say. Just Good grumpy. on you. Uh, I'd like to tell Potties just on that point that we had a very successful, which you will remember at the Sorrento Writers Festival, Anna, we had a really successful, it was called The Voice Art Discussion, and that's what it was. We had Marcy Langton and Kerry O'Brien and a terrific crew. We're going to get the band back together or part of the band back together. Uh, if Potties would like to know about this, um, start looking at the social media connected with Sorrento Writers Festival. We'll be starting to pub- publicise it in the next couple of weeks. But on Saturday, the 29th of July, we are going to be at the Flinders Pub between 4 and 6pm. So you can grab a glass of wine, sit down, and we will have Professor Marcy Langton and the extraordinary, amazing Rachel Perkins screenwriter, film director. I actually directed the first series of Total Control, funnily enough. There you go. Um, But just a remarkable person. And um, we'll be chatting about the voice and what it means, the background and going forward. So if anybody would like to come to a bit of an information session with a difference, um, keep an eye out on that. Now, six quick questions, Anna, for Red Energy. What was your last, what was last week's (laughs) Highlight your highlight cultural experience. I think this will probably be my cultural experience for winter, but it was the opening night with my friend Nicola of NGV's vibrant world of Pierre Bonnard, his masterpieces, reimagined through um, India Madhavi's uh, the visionary designer's lens. So you had not only the incredible his masterpieces, but you had wallpaper from her, furniture, carpet, colour. It was just extraordinary. I cannot wait. It's to really see. good. I reckon the NGV oh. exhibition designers are among the finest in the world. This is so funky. Like every room, you just felt like you'd been transported somewhere. And I mean, his artwork's incredible. I actually didn't know that much about him, to be perfectly honest. But I, I absolutely loved it. And I'd really recommend. It's fab. And it's part of the Melbourne Winter Masterpieces yes. series. So that is on, I think, till about October. Can't I wait. I think so. And now, Corrie... What was last week's not quite a cultural highlight, cultural experience? Um, Coco and I went to Euphoria at the Melbourne Town Hall. It's part of the Rising Festival and you enter every 60 minutes into the, into the Town Hall and German filmmaker Julian Rosenfeld has put together the most extraordinary... Uh, I can't even begin to explain really what it's like, but you walk in and along all along the four walls at human height are dozens and dozens of teenagers who are part of a choir. I think they're based in Brooklyn. Up on the screen, on four different screens up above you, are drummers and they are playing the drumbeat to the to the to the backdrop of what's happening. And then on one big screen is the action. And the action is not action. <laughs> the action is a, lot, a number of characters lecturing, pontificating, philosophizing and discussing the subject of money and capitalism. 
which American, because it's made in America, you do feel there's a certain American earnestness about this, maybe possibly a little bit of guilt. The highlight was Kate Blanchett, who plays the tiger. She actually is the voice of a tiger. And the tiger is strolling up and down a supermarket that is groaning with consumer goods. So that's the kind of the thing, the freedom of the forest, not and being trapped in a supermarket as we all are when we go shopping. But having Kate Blanchett, having a singing tiger that's actually Kate Blanchett was a bit curious. I couldn't really get into the point of it. I love a repetitive uh, um, performance. Like I love... Um, I loved Einstein on the Beach, which went for five and a half hours. Philip uh, Philip Glass. Glass, yeah. This was not in that league. It, it sounds a, a bit curious. mixed media. It was very mixed uh, media. I just don't know that. I mean, again, not something my mother would have liked. But we lay on the floor, so that was interesting at, with a whole lot of other people. And the sound, the cacophony of sound, was pretty amazing. And the choir around you, standing all around you on the wall, was pretty extraordinary. But I just didn't quite get the point of it. And um, someone suggested later I should have read about it beforehand, read up on it. And I think sometimes you just don't have to, you shouldn't have to read. Surely a cultural event should just be that you go and you're absolutely immersed in it. It was. And your heart should sing. No, get to the NGV, (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah, so euphoria wasn't quite euphoric for us. Um, Now, Anna, I'm interested in this. What's the best set of grandchildren's names you've heard? Look, uh, that just really made me chuckle at work. A lovely new work friend was talking about the grandchildren. She said, I've got four grandchildren and my son, whose children they are, is obsessed with music and he's named his children accordingly. And I said, okay, what are they? Elvis? Dusty? I instantly thought Martin, but she obviously told me Springfield. <laughs> Holiday? And Gloria? Now, I just thought that that was just, you know, just a little chat at work. Really, it still made me laugh. I laugh every time I think about it. Well, at least we know how to spell G-L-O-R-I-A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anna, they're, so, they're such curious names. That's just very really cute. really cute, I know. Now, Corrie, um, which recent concert do you wish you'd attended? Joni Mitchell. Where? She played or performed at the Gorge Amphitheatre in Washington State on the dramatic cliffs overlooking the Columbia River. It's a three-hour drive from Seattle, but everybody said it was a pilgrimage that you definitely had to do. As we know, the wonderful Joni Mitchell in 2015 had a brain aneurysm. She lost the ability to walk and talk and, of course, sing. But seven years later, she's just had such a magical, magical recovery. She took the stage in this surprise performance at the Newport Folk Festival and she apparently just said she wanted to do it because she just wanted to do another show. So she's seated for most of it, Anna, but um, and rather than singing a lot of the songs, she kind of talks through them. But her vocal range, although limited, she still was at the age of 79 being able to sing a few songs, including the beautiful If, which apparently brought the house down. Um, so I would have loved to have oh. been there, wouldn't you? Oh, it sounds amazing. And how emotional to think she's actually made a bit of a recovery and still performing at that age. Well, her fans, her diehard fans yeah. were sobbing. I understand yeah. it was very, very emotional and also for her as well. So that I thought that would have been a real cracker of a thing that to go and see. That sounds fab. Anna, what are your thoughts on crossbody bags? Look, I know I'm obsessed with them and I know I've come late to the fashion to this, but I just absolutely love them. You're hands free. You're at a party, drink in one hand, tucker in the other. You're at the supermarket. You just got two hands to be pulling things down. I do not know why it has taken me so long. And this is applied for no no other they were reason. Very big in the eighties. I know they've come back, and I am all over them. And this is a plug, not really, but go, you know, potties. Get down to Oriton, rip a sale. There's just and they've got the most beautiful colours. Like they just pop, and I think it will really jazz up your winter warmer. So I'm looking at your little green I one. Know. Here. How good, Julie mm. and I, Middle We own the same car, same pajamas. We bought the same handbag. It's just tragic. Julie being sister. a sister. <laughs> um, but no, really, I'm just loving myself sick. So oh, just I think crossbody is the way to go. For men and women. Exactly. Now, Corrie, what's this week's amazing fact? Well, I don't know whether this is amazing. You may know this and Miss Jane may know this because it's a couple of years old, this, the study of this. But did you know that cold weather makes you shop more? Really? I would have thought <coughs> the opposite. It's called the cold weather effect and it's been known to drive sales and profits as people stock up. So there, is, there, are, even, there are even 
cheeky Manhattan department stores that deliberately turn their heating <laughs> down. Talk about going put a jumper on. But wouldn't that make you just think, I'm sick of this, I'm going home, I'm freezing? Oh, it's a fine line, I think. So if, you, if you're shopping more, you need to nourish and nurture. So you'll be – so, and, and it's not just the obvious like jumpers mm. and Ugg boots that you're looking at. You suddenly just have a run on perfume, lipsticks, uh, anything that kind of makes you feel I, good. I don't know what sort of study this is, it's, Corrie. It's I'm actually just... called the cold weather effect and it mm. does have an impact on consumer purchasing behaviour. Okay. And it – it, it is a real thing, Anna. It is a real thing, Jane. I know you're looking at me like I I'm reckon, an idiot. But a bit sceptical here. I've got a feeling it's a Northern Hemisphere thing because basically if you do not have stocked up goods in your home, I mean places in the States and all across yeah. Europe, if yeah. there's a blizzard or a snowstorm, I mean we all learnt that in COVID, suddenly you've got yeah. no loo paper and, and no canned beans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bet you anything, it's to do with our inherent need to hibernate. It's pretty interesting, though, isn't okay. it? It's, and I just, I just thought um, uh, the other thing too that they've noticed too is that when it is cold, and for those reasons that you say, probably in northern hemisphere, you're snowed in. But there is a huge uptake in online shopping. So, so traditionally here in Australia, in winter. yeah, in winter. See, so, I don't do online, so I'm just not the traditionally here. Always in in Australia, you know, October to December is your peak retail period. Not to take anything away from that pre-Christmas period, but they're now finding that actually June, July, August are not as bad as it oh. used to be. So there you go. And I thought I'd just leave you with that so you can, every time you're purchasing another cross-body <laughs> bag, don't feel guilty because you're just getting with the program. Part of the demographic. <laughs> Anna, it's been lovely to have you today. Thank you both for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for coming off the interchange bench again. We always <laughs> appreciate that. And Miss Jane, thank you for keeping us uh, on the street and narrow. We wish Caro, not that she'll be listening to us, of course, as she dives into yet another Mediterranean sea bay, but um, we're sending our love to her and to everybody. We hope you have a wonderful uh, few weeks. Head up, chin out, big smile on your face. We're practising for winter. And Anna, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. And if you'd like to support the podcast, tell a friend about the show. Perhaps they haven't discovered it yet. You can send us an email to feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at don'tshootpod and sign up for our weekly email. We'll send you the show notes straight to your inbox. And of course, thanks to our show sponsors, Red Energy and Prince Wine Store.